The Fake Show podcast is sponsored by the law firm of Hutchison & Stephan, North 5th Brewing Company, Threads of Envy, The Tone Factory Recording Studios, Moonshot.com t-shirt designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. In the early 70s, few bands rocked harder and drew bigger crowds than Humble Pie. Their original lineup featured Steve Marriott on vocals, guitar and harmonica, Greg Ridley on bass and vocals, Peter Frampton on guitar and vocals, and my next guest, drummer Jerry Shirley. They were an unbelievable band to see live, and Shirley would join this band at a very young age, as we will discuss with Jerry from his home in the UK. Hi, Jim. Jerry, good morning. Such an honor to have you on, and and thanks again for joining me this morning. Well, it's the honor's mine to be on your show. Thank you. You know, I've always wondered this. When you joined Humble Pie, you were only 17 years old. What had you been doing before that, I imagine? Just going to school, yeah? Well, I, I was at school, but I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I was too busy playing drums for other ba- for bands at night. And going to school and falling asleep at the desk because I was so tired. Um, <laughs> I eventually got to leave school at the earliest possible time. And um, I've been playing drums semi-professionally since I was 11 years old. Did Steve Marriott or, or Peter Frampton, did one of those guys see you in, in one of those bands? Exactly right. They, we, were, we were opening up for the small faces and yeah. I was talent spotted by Steve. Steve had befriended Peter Frampton, who was looking for a drummer for a new band he was forming because he'd left the herd. They introduced me to Peter, and we got on well. He came to see me at one of our shows, my band shows, and he immediately offered me the job to form a band with him, and it was more like a partnership. It wasn't Peter Frampton and, it was a band. Yeah. And that's the way it stayed, and then... You know, the rest of it is a well-known story. Peter, uh, sorry, Steve offered to join and then had a bass player that he was bringing with him called Greg Ridley from Spooky Tooth. We were off and running. Yeah, arguably uh, one of the first supergroups, that's for sure. Would you say that the performance rocking the Fillmore album was kind of when the band really started to take off? Oh, absolutely. We'd worked hard for months on the road and we waited until the end of that tour and used the Fillmore East as the perfect place to record because the acoustics in there were magnificent. And we had Eddie Kramer from Electric Ladyland, who we'd known from England very well, record it. And we made sure once we'd we screwed the mix up the first time and left the audience out. <laughs> right. <laughs> the second time, <laughs> not the smartest thing to do. So Eddie stepped in and said, wait a minute, you've forgotten something. And he brought up all the ambient mics that had been placed in the audience, and the sound was just superb. And that's the end result. Is one of the, I, I guess I'm, I used to be shy to say this, but now I can say I think it was one of the best live albums that's ever been recorded. I was going to say it's that, it's it's the best live album I have ever heard, and and I'm sure glad that Eddie Kramer got uh, got involved in the project. Indeed, indeed, he saved the project. Frankly, Peter Frampton has always said I've been on two live albums. I've been on the biggest selling live album, <laughs> and I've been on the best sounding live album. And uh, he's always said that Humble Pie was the best band he's ever been in. Cool. And Comes Alive was 
So it was a solo project, you know. That Rock and the Fillmore, what was that, uh, an amalgamation of, what, four different shows? Yeah, yeah, we did four shows, two shows a night over two nights, and um, we actually did a reissue in uh, 2012-13, which was called The Complete Shows, where we just took it all back to the four shows and without cutting bits and pieces together, that was the, what the original album was. We just re- reissued the four shows as exactly the way they were uh, with the audience. <laughs> and um, we, we realized that there was some remarkable things that we hadn't uh, noticed, if you like, in, in, in when we first did the mixing. There's so much live material available out there now, and I, I recently saw I Walk on gilded splinters which is fantastic and it almost seemed like steve marriott was singing and playing harmonica simultaneously i mean it almost seemed impossible yeah he had a way with singing and speaking to the audience and um singing with his harmonica singing through it if you like yeah um man of many talents he would throw the microphone away go to the front of the stage signal the band to go down in volume and he would sing to the people at the back of the hall that's when he says the people at the back of the hall can you hear me or are you ready that was without a mic they, they could hear him he could fill that whole room with just his voice unbelievably loud singer always in tune never sang out of tune when you guys were still a three-piece, I know that there was uh, talk of wanting to audition a guitar player, and the list of guitar players you auditioned is pretty amazing. It included, what, Rick Derringer and Joe Walsh? Yep, and for, uh, for various reasons, none of them worked out, uh, but they were all contacted, they were all interested up, up to a point, but they chose different directions, and they worked out pretty good for each one of them. Um and then there were others. Mick Abrams from uh, from Jeffro Toll came to audition. He listened to us. He didn't get his guitar out of his case. He said, I can't add to that. And then Clem found out we needed a guitar player, got in touch. He came and rehearsed, and the rest is rock and roll history. He fitted in perfectly. Clem Clemson. The Smokin' album was so organic and had such a flow to it, uh, it's hard to believe it's over 50 years old now, and your drums sounded so good. It was like they were given room to breathe in the studio. I can only compare it to someone like John Bonham or, or Keith Moon, the way it sounded in the studio. Well, we were recorded at the same studio. We were recorded by the same engineers, and we all believed in the same concept of how to record drums. You know, you don't throw tea towels over them or put tape or you let them ring. Drums are built to ring. They're supposed to be, you know, when you listen to a drummer, you don't take your ear and put it right next to his tom-tom. You stand back and listen to the kit as a whole. And that's why we all had similar sounding um, drum sounds because of the places we were recorded and the engineers that recorded us. I love that you, Jerry, have put together a Humble Pie Legacy 50 Years of Smokin' with a lineup that you handpicked, right? Yep, yep. With the help of Dave Bucket Colwell, the guitar player 
the lead player and the band leader now, he helped me find the perfect people for each job. We took our time and we eventually, after a few changes here and there, found the perfect four-piece and each guy is in it for the right reasons. They're in it for the music and the making, the, uh, entertaining the audience first and if we make money at it afterwards, then great. But believe me, that's secondary. It's, you know, we're professional musicians. We, uh, the guys have to get paid, but they're not out there to get rich. They're out there to enrich the audience. Jerry Shirley presents Humble Pie Legacy. There are uh, tours. Uh, the tour is coming to the U.S., and you can get tour dates and ticket info by visiting HumblePieOfficial.com. Jerry, just an honor. I really enjoyed this. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Great to hear the legacy of the band continues under the guidance of original drummer Jerry Shirley. You know, Jerry also worked on solo albums for the likes of Sid Barrett, John Entwistle, Sammy Hagar, and many more. Humble Pie was playing in front of huge crowds in the 70s, including at Hyde Park and opening for Grand Funk at Shea Stadium. That finishes this episode of the Fake Show Podcast. Thanks for giving us a listen. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you back here next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.